Father God, in the name of Jesus, I bind right now my tongue to your anointing. Father God, you gave me this word, God, and you've anointed me and appointed me for this day and this moment. I bind nerves in the name of Jesus. They have no place. You did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of a sound mind. I bind the demonic forces that would like to hinder breakthrough in this camp meeting. It cannot happen. It cannot be. Father God, I give you honor and I give you praise because it was your call, not mine, that put me here. And Lord, I ask you right now. To open up the minds and the hearts to receive this day what you've instilled. We love you, Dad. We praise you, Father. We give you the honor and you the glory, God. Let your anointing fall because these people are thirsty and they're hungry for breakthrough, God. And it is your desire to bring it to them, God. And, Lord, we decree and declare it to be so. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm not even going in preliminaries. I thank God for his anointing. I thank God for what he's doing in my life. But I was given a mandate back in December. In fact, I was in, in Orlando when it happened, and, and God spoke to me. I didn't even know what mandate meant till a couple weeks ago. I finally looked it up. But he told me, he said, you're going to start to minister to the unoffended bride. And I'm like, what does that even mean? He said, I'm about to come get my bride. In Revelation 17, it says that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, that, it, that they were coming to get the bride that had what? Made herself ready. That means there's something for the bride to do. You see, God did everything he had to do. He sent his son. His son did everything he had to do. He died on the cross. And now we have an opportunity to receive him as our Lord and Savior. He died that all might be saved not would be saved, but that they have an opportunity to receive salvation through Jesus. God did his part. Jesus did his part. Now it's up to us because we have a role to play. He said, daughter, you're going to deal with offense until I tell you otherwise. Yes, sir, I hear you, Dad. Because when God speaks clearly, that's all you got to say is yes, sir. Otherwise, you're in a mess until you say yes, right? I ain't got time for a mess in my life. I'm too busy dealing with the demonic that needs to be set free to worry with me entangling my own self back into the world and my own desires, right? So God spoke to me and he said, you're on a mandate. A mandate is an assignment that you're given authority to do. I'd like to preach other things, but God gave me a mandate to preach this. Now, whether you receive it, I'm obligated to obedience. The outcome belongs to God. He will meet you here, and he will set you free. He'll radically change your life. But we've already talked about the fact that you have a part to play. How many of you believe that perception is reality? Right? I know I'm from Florida. I got an accent. But perception is reality. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. He didn't say as a man speaks. He said as a man thinks, right? So this precious man is going to put up a picture of a black candlestick. Look at the black candlestick on the picture. You see the black candlestick? Take it away. He's about to show you two white faces looking at each other. Two white faces looking at each other. You see the two white faces? Your perception is your reality. When I tell you to look for a black candlestick, you see a black candlestick. But when I tell you to look for two white faces, you see two white faces, right? Because you had a pre, come on, you had a preconceived notion 
about what was about to be presented to you. Do you know wars are fought over less than that? I don't know what y'all say up here. But back where I come from, it's either roll tide or go gators. People will not date women if they got on burgundy and gold and fear they're a Seminole fan. It's reality. Their perception is reality, right? I've had people tell me I'd rather drive a Ford than push a Chevy. I'm like, dude, you buy me either one, I'll drive it. Your perception is your reality. Now, I don't know about California, but in Florida, I grew up, I'm 50 years old, but when I grew up in school where they did um, fire drills. Stop, drop, and roll. How many of you ever went through a fire drill? You know how to stop, drop, and roll. We had tornado drills where you had to get under your desk and cover your head. How many of you have been through a tornado drill? Okay. How many of you have ever experienced a fire where you had to stop, drop, and roll? Nobody? But we all got trained on it. How many of you ever been in a tornado? A couple? Very few of us. But we all got trained on it. Turn in your word to Luke 17, 1. You don't have to. I'm going to. But in Luke 17, 1, the word of God says, let's turn to it. It's a very familiar passage in my life, maybe because God keeps dealing with me about it. Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It says, Jesus is talking, it's in red. Thus saith he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. So what does he tell you? It is impossible, but that what? Offenses will come. Right? Jesus said that, right? Let's, we're going to read it in the Amplified. I don't know if anybody has that, but read it, Pastor. Jesus said to his disciples, stumbling blocks, temptations, and traps set before one's friends are sure to come, but woe, judgment. Okay, is judgment is coming to him through whom they come. That's good. So there is a 100% guarantee that you're going to be offended. How many of you have ever been trained up on how to deal with offense? I'm not, pastors are not in trouble because you didn't train people up in offense. That's not your mandate. That's not your assignment. It's mine. He gave me a mandate, an assignment to train up the bride of Christ on how to deal with offense. What it really means, an offense is a stumbling block. It is something that causes you to trip. It literally means the trip, the trap of a snare. Show the next picture. You're walking through life and there's traps set for you. These are the snares. This is the offenses. And who did he say they would come through? Him. Him is a people. People. 
People are going to be people. The people. Jesus said, how will people know that you're children, that you're true disciples by the love you show the brethren, right? But the flesh is exposed through people who are traps of offense for you to fall on. When we change our perception and we understand that how we see things clearly gives us the ability to walk through the minefield of offense without falling for the trap. That is your choice. You can live unoffended. You can love unoffended. That is your choice. Just because the trap is there does not mean you have to step in it. That is your choice. So today, by the the grace of God, we're going to minister on breaking the cycle for breakthrough. Breaking the cycle for breakthrough. And I've already prayed, so we're just going to get to it. If you want to turn in your word, Joshua chapter 14, one verse, verse 12 says, now therefore give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. You got a mountain in your life. It is a promise made to you. You've got a mountain in your life. It is a promise. It is an inheritance that God himself gave you. But in order for you to get your mountain, for you to break through, to break the cycle so that you can get your mountain. You're going to walk through minefields of offense, of stumbling blocks, of perceptions that are set in place to prevent you from ever getting your mountain. I was on the plane headed here. We're going to flip back. We're going to be studying through a couple of these chapters as we go through today and tomorrow, however long we're here doing what God has called us to do, to do this mandate. This trap, this offense, I'm going to just speak it. I'm not going to read all these scriptures. Please, if you have time, go back and read it. But I promise you, my pastor will correct me if I speak anything wrong. And I covet that because, because God chastises those sons whom he loves. But you have to understand that with every temptation, right, the enemy has a counterfeit for every genuine thing. With every temptation, the enemy brings a seduction to join the temptation to give you access to enter into bondage. I'll tell you a story. Mighty man of God, preacher, preaching to hundreds, I don't know, thousands, I don't know. He's preaching. He got delivered and set free from porn years ago. Because, I'm going to just pause there. How come you're tempted by things that don't tempt others? Because the enemy knows what you've been set free from. I'm going to talk about Hams eventually this week. Chris Hams. 
but he sat in the bathroom this week and he looked at the toilet paper holder and above it there was a line of meth already lined out and a bag of, bag of meth sitting beside it. And he looked at me and when he was talking to me yesterday about it, he said, Stacy, there was a time in my life I would have done that. I could have sat on that toilet and looked at that meth and thought, who would lay salt out like that or whatever it looks like? Because I'm clueless about what it is, right? Now, I know the after effects of it, because the worst I ever got beat up in the ER was a 98-pound girl who was strung out on meth, and she about beat me down. But I don't know anything about it. The enemy's not going to tempt you with something that does not tempt you. And when we understand that, we can overcome this, this mindset that I'm better than you because your sin don't affect me. When the reality is I got my own sin. I got my own minefield of offense that I've got to walk through. And then just because it's different than you doesn't mean I'm better than you or mine are less than yours. Because my traps will get me in bondage just as quick as yours do. Even though yours is on the outside, mine might be on the inside. Don't let this new jacket fool you. I got some dirt in me that has to be released just like you do. There is an opportunity to get offended every single day so this man's preaching up there he's had a history whatever some woman walks in and she's beautiful she sits on the third row he catches her eye preaching preaching she catches his eye next thing you know she starts sitting on the front row next thing you know she ain't got no underwear and she's crossing her legs where he can see that now you got mighty men of God set in place Armor up, you protecting whoever's preaching. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to deal with stuff like that. Sometimes you got to deal with it. There's a reason I got bras under the cabinet in the sink in my bathroom at church. Because sometimes I got to give them to a woman that wants to be in the altar, bouncing, and she needs to be covered. Let's just get real. Uh, let's just get real. So. She did that. Next thing you know, she sends in a request to come for private counseling. Oh. Oh. He brought her in without a witness. Next thing you know, they're having an affair. The next thing you know, he's lost everything. She walks up to him and says, you were a lot harder to get than the other preachers. But you got to understand, there are Spirits. We don't fight with flesh and blood. Your flesh might be a stumbling block to me, but my battle's not with you. It is a spiritual warfare. That's why I can love you to Jesus, but mark you as somebody I can't get tangled up with. The enemy. Don't even need to get in it sometimes because our own flesh invites it. So here we see in the word of God that, that even before Caleb in the mountain, even before, even before, even before, God's on the plane here. He says, you got to go back, daughter. And I'm like, well, go back. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I go all the way back. And you're seeing this cycle that I'm about to talk about. We're breaking the cycles for breakthrough today. Look at somebody and say, I got cycles. Look back at that person and say, you do too. Yeah. 
So the children of Israel sent out, they, they, they get out from Egypt, they get out of bondage, right? Get out of bondage. And it's supposed to be an 11-day journey, right? We ain't even to the looking at the promised land 40 years of wandering. Get that. And the, the kid, these youngins, these children, they might have been 80, but they're children in maturity. All they do is grumble and complain. They're traps of offense to Moses. They're complaining. They don't like this. They fight. God sends a fire. God sends all these things. They get rebuked. They get corrected, and they go back to grumbling, you know. And they, they get to a point where they're like, we miss flesh. We miss, we miss the meat. We miss the meat. And, and Moses goes up to talk to God, and he's like, dude, I cannot handle these people anymore. Just let me die. That's not a suicide spirit. He's like, just let me die. They're, 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 they don't listen. They're always grumbling and complaining. We just rescued them from bondage. Just pick somebody else. See, he already tried to do it one time when he's like, God, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. And God gets kind of angry at him. He's like, I chose you. And just because you can't speak, I got your brother Aaron. He'll speak for you, but that assignment ain't leaving you. And there will come a time in your ministry that you'll say the same thing to God. I want to thump these people. And God, I know I can't, so just take me home. And God's like, no, I'm raising up 70 people. They're going to help you. But your assignment, it ain't changed. So God gives them quail, and the Word of God says, we know the story, they all, a bunch of them die, right? And the name of the place where all of the people died, I wrote it down so that I would remember it, is Kirbah something. It's very hard to pronounce, but it literally means the graves of craving. Get it? When they dug the graves to bury the people, they named the cemetery, the city, the graves of craving. When you really get set free from your Egypt, your appetite will change. And until your appetite has changed, there's a Jesus who's willing by his blood to truly redeem you and set you free. Your appetite changes. See, I, I, I didn't enter in and tell you all these things. I'll talk about it more as we go through this. But when I was married, divorced, married, divorced, pregnant, and not married at 22 years old, I was lost. I was so lost, so wild. I was married to a man when I saw the man that got me pregnant. I was lost. I didn't know anything. I cussed every other word. I drank anything you'd give me. My oldest is the product of God alone, but also probably a full bottle of Crown Royal. And I smoked about two packs of cigarettes a day. When I tell you I was broken, I was broken. I was broken. Didn't know anything about anything. Went to this sleepy little town called Bonifay, Florida. When I got there, I didn't talk. I was terrified of this man that 
that had got me pregnant that I was marrying and his mother and daddy were what I thought were religious people. So I didn't talk. They thought I was stuck up <laughs> and shy. <laughs> oh! But that woman loved me to Jesus. She never made me feel ugly or stupid or dirty or wrong. She absolutely loved me to Jesus. That's all she did. She didn't Bible thump me. She loved me to Jesus in a way that I had never known. And it wasn't long before her God became my God. And her people became my people. But I remember the day. I was so lost I didn't even know what. I, I, I was this way to the altar and the altar was there. You know what I'm saying? But I gave my life to Jesus that day and I stood up a different person. The cusser didn't cuss no more. The drinker didn't drink no more. Now, I'm four months pregnant. You know what I'm saying? And it took another two months for them women of God to love me smelling like a chimney four months pregnant. In a house of religion. That I took them marble light 100s to that altar. And I said, God, I want you more. God, I want you more. And not only did I say, God, I want you more, but I said, God, make them sick to me. And to this day, all these years, that baby that I got pregnant with is 28 years old, to the glory of God. And if you're in a vehicle ahead of me smoking a cigarette, I'll get nauseated. I can pray you through in this altar. God anoints me for that. If, you, if you're smoking, it's, but I'm telling you today, if there's something binding you that's keeping you from walking in the fullness of God, it's okay. Bring your bag of meth. Bring your cigarettes. We, we know, we know. Place it on this altar and say, God, I want you more. And then let God do it. Because I don't, I don't know if y'all understand it today. In the spirit, we got a mixture in this room. See, yesterday people got delivered and they got set free. And those people today are worshiping in freedom. They're worshiping in a, in a place they've never known. But then we got other people that hadn't allowed God to set them free yet. Because you in this mindset that if you come up here, we'll think you are unsaved or you're ugly or you're perverted. But the reality is somebody's just lied to you and made you feel like you got to hide it. He says he restores my soul. James says when I confess my faults that healing comes. God is here to heal his bride. You don't need a prophet to call out what you already know is binding you. for what God's already
God says that they came out of Egypt, but some of them, oh, and you mad. Oh, you're getting bitter at the ones who were set free. Freedom's for you too. Freedom's for you too. So they come out of Egypt. They still want the flesh. God kills them. It's, it's a graveyard of cravings. He'll take your craving away. He'll take your craving away. You can make your own graveyard of cravings and have a memorial that says that's where it died. I can take you to the place that things have had to die in my life. I can take you to a parking lot where the nurse in me, my husband said, you got two women living inside of you. You got a woman of God and you got a nurse and one's got to die. I can take you to the place where that woman of God that led me to Jesus when she died, I still go park in her parking spot Jesus. at that church. And I seek God there. And that's where the nursing me had to die. Do you have a place where your dreams had to die so that his vision could be birthed in you? Do you have a place that you can take people to that says, I had to die right there so that Jesus could live? I had to have a graveyard of craving where I don't crave it anymore. I was a trauma certified ER nurse for 17 years. If you're in the medical field, you know that I was the ish. And God was like, you got to die to that daughter because I got more for you. I could have kept it. I could have done it. And I would have had a good life. I would have had a good life. He said, you got a choice. You can have glory or you can have greater glory. Hey. <laughs> I want to be the one that stands before him one day and he says, daughter, you wore my faith out. Jesus. <laughs> Not the one that looks at him and he says, you had all this potential, but you never stepped out by faith. Breakthrough. There's a place of breakthrough. There's a place of breakthrough. Oh, but there's more. There's more, sis. There's more. Says, but get your notebook out because there's some more. So they got through the cravings. They got through the burial of their cravings. And the very next thing that you see happen, mm, I feel led to read it. Miriam and Aaron have a conversation with each other. Miriam and Aaron have a conversation with each other. And they by themselves. They by themselves. You ever have a conversation with yourself or with somebody in private and you think it's all right because it's just y'all in private? And what they did was they started criticizing, two leaders started criticizing Moses' choice for a wife. But I want to tell you that was just the fruit, it was not the root. I'm the women's pastor by God's grace. There's a lot of things you can find fault and criticize about my life. But when you begin to do that, there's a root behind that. 
Because what you speak is fruit of the root within you. They were complaining about the wife, but the very next sentence says, you want to hear it? The very next sentence says, don't we speak like Moses does? Don't we hear from God too? Comparison? Competition? Don't we hear from God too? Am I not a prophetess? Am I not the mouthpiece for God? Am I not this? Am I not that? Don't I hear from God too? They were self-elevating to get on the same level with God's chosen. How many of us behind closed doors are critical? Why'd they do this? Why'd they do it that way? That's his choice. That's his position. You got two anointed You got Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Angela. Let me tell you what. They come after Moses' wife. Let that sink in. She ain't even got a a, a dog in the fight. They come after her. Moses didn't take up for her. God did. God did. God did. When you touch God's anointed, you bring a curse on your life. And I'm talking about just a critical spirit, questioning spirit, a doubting spirit that nobody else knows. The whole congregation never knew they were complaining behind closed doors. How many conversations are going on behind closed doors? Well, I don't agree with that. Well, I don't think it should have been that. Well, I don't like that. I don't know about that. We all shouting when we're talking about the other. We all shouting. But now when God tells me to dig deep. See, the reality is you've all got a post, a position to be on. You all do. When God created you, you have a blueprint for your life. When he created you before the foundation of the earth, he already decided where you would be in the kingdom. God will not change his mind. You can, people tell me all the time, I'm not ignoring God, I just changed the subject. I need you to do that. Yeah, but God, let's talk about Sister Susie and what she's doing wrong. I need you to deal with your lust. Well, okay, but what about Sister Sally who's got that other problem? See, we don't ignore God. We just change the subject. Because the whole camp had to deal with the quail. But Miriam and Aaron were behind closed doors. And the reality was they were insecure and they were jealous. They were insecure and they were jealous. Let me tell you, I praise God for the house of God that that I'm blessed to get to serve in. If I thought about the anointing on their lives when they preach, I would never get out of bed. If I begin to compare myself, if I, I, I begin to look at things, I'd never move. I'd, never get, I'd, be, I'd be frozen and I can't do it. But God didn't call me to be like them. He didn't ordain me to be like them. 
He didn't even ask me to be like them. He said, walk worthy of the call I've given you. Miriam had a purpose. Miriam, you got a purpose. She was a worshiper. She was a prophetess. She had a purpose for her life. Aaron, you got a purpose. God told Moses, Moses told Aaron, Aaron told the people. Aaron is necessary. Miriam is necessary. Every joint in the body joins fitly together to create one body. I was an Orion for 30 years. I never saw four noses on anybody. Why are you trying to be the nose when somebody else has already been anointed for that position? Be where he's called you to be, on the post he's called you to be on, understanding that that little toe is valuable. It's just that I get to be the mouthpiece right now in this moment, but greater honor, greater honor, so you don't get to meet my husband, Chris. You don't understand that he's a watchman. You don't know that he's an intercessor. You don't understand that as a six-foot-three militant man of God, he is my biggest fan. You don't understand how other men come to him and say, why don't you preach? Why don't you do them? And he's like, that's my wife's anointing, not mine. How many men can elevate their wives in the position they've been called to be in and know that their role as the intercessor is the backbone of why I can be who I'm called to be? But you better believe every time somebody asks me to minister, I got three things I got to do. I got to seek God, I got to ask my pastor, and I got to talk to my husband. Because when you're in order, the anointing flows. When you're in order. I didn't create the order, God did. It's God. In the church, it's God. Jesus, your pastor's pastor and then it flows down when you try to go above the pastor you pervert the process and when you bring perversion into the mix dysfunction and chaos follows in the home God the husband then the wife then the children it's the anointing. It's the flow. God shows this pastor things he won't show you because it ain't your place to know it. God shows my husband things. It was a big deal for me to step away from, from being a nurse. Okay, in October, it was a big deal for me. It's another part of death. You die a thousand deaths. I told somebody recently, here, I said, don't, don't look at my tears. My tears are just my flesh catching up with my spirit. Because this flesh will still cry, but this spirit still walks by faith. You understand that? Your flesh may cry, but your spirit can walk in obedience to God. We were coming home from somewhere, and Bay Medical Center had sent me a thing for an Orion to work for an assignment for $100 an hour. And I looked at my husband. He was driving. I said, baby, we could get out of debt if I did this. I'm sure pastor would let me. 
without skipping a beat. He looked at me and said, that ain't God told you to do. That ain't what God said. And he kept driving. And you know what I did? I put it down. There's an anointing of provision of everything you need when you get in order. When you bury your cravings and you decide you choose not to fall for the trap of offense. I know you think you can do it better. That's why you ain't in the position to make the decision. In fact, the moment you think I can do it better, God's like, row, row, raggy. Here we go again. So Miriam and Aaron have this conversation. And the word of God says, and God heard them. I know you didn't think I was coming here to preach this. Neither did I. Not only are we going to have graves that you're burying cravings today, but there's going to have to be some confessing that takes place. Where you're going to have to go to some people and say, I'm so sorry I spoke that against you. Nobody else heard it, but God did. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But God brought them, it's so precious to me, God brought them to the tabernacle, to the tent. He didn't put them before the whole group. Don't you love the, the grace of God? Don't you love the mercy of God? That he didn't expose it to everybody? Don't you love that about, honey, if you can't find Jesus in the Old Testament, you ain't looking. The grace of God, he brought them into the tent by themselves. Moses didn't even know. And he says what happened. Oh, it's so important. Aaron confessed. Miriam didn't. Take this. He confessed it. Miriam got the leprosy. Aaron didn't. Aaron confessed it. Repented. Miriam ain't spoke a word. The prophetess ain't spoke. She ain't spoke. And Moses prays grace for it to be taken away from and it's so beautiful God looks at him and he said if her daddy spit on her she'd have to be put out of the camp for seven days she's got to be put out of the camp for seven days they had to pause for seven days to deal with Miriam I wonder if she would have confessed and repented, would they have had to pause? How many things are we causing to be on pause because we won't repent? Because we won't just go to the person and say, I'm sorry. I fell for the trap. I got offended. Because there's a 100% guarantee that you're going to get offended. It's how you deal with the offense that determines your destiny. 
Aaron knew. He confessed it. And when he confessed it, he did not have to be put out. The entire group never knew the root, but they saw the fruit. They never saw the root. They didn't know why she got put out, but they saw the fruit. Men and women of God, there's fruit in your life that others can see but does not have to remain. If you'll begin to confess, if you'll begin to do what the Word of God says, because there's a darkness in our mind. Okay, I'm going to do this as I'm closing. I don't know how long I've preached. But there's a, there's a darkness in your mind. Whoever's playing can come. And the darkness in our mind is where the enemy sets up his playground. But when darkness is exposed to light, right, the darkness has to go. So the enemy depends on you to keep it in the darkness of your mind. That's why your pastors, that's why people will start saying, you got to speak it. You got to speak it. God had to speak the world for it to be created. You gotta speak it. There's life and death with your tongues, and you are gonna eat the fruit thereof. I don't remember who all got set free yesterday. I don't remember what you got set free from. I don't, I don't, you're not gonna freak us out. You're not gonna scare us. You're not going to weird us out. You're not gonna tell us anything that is so gross that makes us look at you differently. But you are gonna be set free. You have the choice. You have the opportunity. You have the blood of Jesus. It doesn't mean you're not saved, baby girl. It just means you're bound. It just means you gave in to a trap. But you don't have to be that way. He died to set the captive free. If you bound, you know you bound. Why would you walk around bound? I love you. You watch this mighty woman of God. She leads our women's ministry, our children. What did you lead? Our single ladies' ministry. It's Lindsay, anointed, chosen of God. I love her. She's one of mine. Do you regret one minute on that football field being set free? You remember puking your toenails up? Do you regret it? Are you sure? You walk in fear? What do you walk in? Authority. Freedom. She walks in freedom. She walks in freedom. Why are you so afraid about what the person next to you is thinking when they bound themselves? Get free. Get free. Make the decision today. I'm breaking the cycle. I'm not falling for the trap. I'm not giving in. I was offended, but now I walk free.
stand up, if you don't mind, please. As we minister, my pastor's going to help me. You know why I'm free today? Because this man of God was obedient in my life. You can have your freedom moment. Some of you got some graves. You need to bury your cravings. Some of you may need to bring your stuff to this altar and lay it down and say, I want you more. Some of you may need to go to others and apologize and repent, get the leprosy taken off. And some of you have known this entire service that you bound, that you want to be set free. I'm talking to leaders today. I'm talking to first-time people today. I'm talking to this body of Christ. You can have breakthrough today to break the cycles.